prayer, and we'll see how well the voice holds up today. Amen? Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to come uh, before you to acknowledge you for the life that you've given us, for salvation, for the things that you've given us after this life and as we go forward during this life, Lord, that you challenge us through the power of the Holy Spirit to interact and meet with other people and speak your praises, the gospel, all those things that you call us to do. We thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your compassion and your care for us. We thank you for your very presence. We pray now, Lord, that the words that are spoken are not my words, but your words through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, your wisdom and knowledge is what matters right now. And we thank you and give you all praise for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One thing that uh, I did want to point out, too, and, and we're kind of in the afterglow of the spring break conference. We had a wonderful time. I want to point out for those who, who were there to thank you for your attendance. Thank you for coming to the uh, Hampton Inn and Stowe and making it a very successful conference. Um, oh, uh, kids, uh, please go ahead and depart now for your choir rehearsal. Thank you. I want to thank you again for being there. Uh, we did have record attendance on Friday evening as well as on Saturday afternoon, or Saturday morning, excuse me. And we think that there was a great, uh, great inroads were made with some people as far as really looking at and focusing on their direction of their life going forward, the things that we discussed. Um, and we appreciate uh, your giving that consideration for those things. And this message is going to kind of recap uh, some of what we talked about, re, re, uh, uh, reintroduce some information that we discussed. But in all honesty, everything that we've been doing, uh, frankly, as a church, and I think I mentioned this before, is that we've been very focused on the personal development of a believer um, as they are right now and how they can continue to grow and develop so that they can be effective disciples in the world today. So that's what this message will be about today to summarize a little bit about what we talked about yesterday and give you some thought for those who weren't able to make it, uh, some things that we did discuss, and hopefully that will be things that'll, uh, that you'll want to glean into and, and, uh, and look at. There are plenty of messages that reach out to those who do not have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, all you need to do is turn on the television, you'll see Charles Stanley, and just about every message that he gives is a message about uh, having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is, however, I believe, a great need to encourage present believers, current believers, to get stronger in the faith. Stronger in the faith. It is too often that believers in Jesus Christ may have poor growth and development or even irregular or inconsistent growth spurts that may build up a person in one area but remain inadequate in others. If we can show and help people, including non-believers, to see that being a believer is in Jesus Christ is attractive and an admirable attribute then we can leave it up to the Holy Spirit to prick the hearts, minds, and souls of those who are on the fence to get off and declare Christ as Lord in their lives. That's the challenge that we as believers have. This past weekend, we explored how believers can take the necessary steps to live for Jesus Christ with passion. Live for Jesus Christ with passion. It involved self-examination and self-evaluation. And it gives recognition that you are a special creation in God's eyes. 
We're all special. He knew of you and all about you before you were even conceived. Amen? Knew all about you. And that you have your own uniqueness with God-given talents, gifts, and abilities. When you recognize your true purpose in Jesus Christ, you are on your way to serving him and glorifying him with your greatest potential being realized. He wants you to be successful in your efforts to move people to see the grace and glory of Christ in everything you do. Everything you do. Even the smallest things. That's what this is about. This passion is the realization that you are truly living according to his purpose. And you, with the power of the Holy Spirit, are unstoppable. Unstoppable. Nothing's going to stop you. Satan can try to slow you down. Amen? And he will try. And sometimes he does. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, God sustains you. He protects you and gives you the ability to overcome adversity and, as a result, shine before others. That's what this is all about. Shining before other people. Being a testimony of Christ being in your life before others. That's what this is about. A, ma- a believer who matures poorly or slowly has a tougher time with that. That's why we've been giving so much focus to building ourselves up in this area. So what is this passion? What is this passion? It is the realization of a fulfilling a fulfilling life in Christ. It's the realization of a fulfilling life in Christ. It's the ongoing effort to be the best that you can be in Christ. We always get these speeches about how you can be the best you can be. Amen? That's a very ambiguous statement. We're speaking now about being the best you can be in Jesus Christ which is far more than what you could ever do on your own. Amen? Amen. He wants you to grow and learn through the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit. All of this, however, begins with you. It does start with you. Number one, you have to have a desire to live for Christ. A desire to live for Christ. You have to want it. You have to desire it. You want to embrace it. If you don't have this desire to live for Christ, you're not going to live a passionate life in Christ. Number two, your desire to learn more about Christ and your relationship with him. It's not just about knowing who he is, but what about your relationship with him? Where is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it on a firm ground? Is it on solid ground? Is there a good footing? Or is there a lot more work that you need to do? You have to examine that. Number three, your desire to get involved in this thing that's called the Great Commission. Amen? You have to have a desire to get involved in the Great Commission. And even if it means doing things outside of the box or challenging yourself to move out of your comfort zone at the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sometimes is going to move you to places that are uncomfortable. And that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's all part of your life experience as a believer in Jesus Christ. Passion describes the height of emotion. 
and it reflects a powerful emotional connection to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit facilitates this connection with encouragement, reinforcement, and guidance. A passion-filled believer serves Jesus Christ with the confidence of one who knows who he or he, he or she is in Christ and is readily available. You're readily available for service at any given moment. When Isaiah received the call and prompting from the Lord, his response was, Here I am. Send me. That's from Isaiah 6.8. A passion-filled believer accepts the call and goes forth to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. When you accept that call, are you like Isaiah? Here I am. Send me. Do you have the passion for Jesus Christ that he really desires for you to have? Do you have it at all? Amen? Do you have it at all? You have to ask yourself that. If you are confident in your abilities and are aware of the talents and gifts that God has given you, then you're certainly on your way. If you lack the drive and energy that it takes to truly shine before others as you live your ministry, consider that you can find this passion if you truly seek the Lord and consider these following requisites of being a passion-filled believer. Now, we gave some requisites uh, yesterday uh, during the seminar, and we're going to whittle it down a little bit and just take a few of those, but these are what I deem to be the most important ones that stand out. But these, if you want to live a passion-filled life in Jesus Christ, consider these requisites, which means they're requirements of living a passion-filled existence. First, if you take the letters in passion, you're going to come up with these acronyms. The first letter for P in passion represents principled. And feel free to write these down. If you were not with us, you won't have these. So principled was the first one. Principled believers adhere to a lifestyle that honors God and keeps his commands. Amen? Honors God and keeps his commands. You have principles. Your principles are godly principles. The way you live represents what the word says as far as how you should live. You're principled. They rely upon the wisdom and words of God for daily living. Let's take a look real quick at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we'll take a quick look at verse 5. In order for you to be a principled individual in this life of passion, you need to have the understanding that you can ask for whatever you want from God according to his will, and he's going to give it to you. Amen? Including wisdom. The right way to do things. The right way to live. James chapter 1, verse 5, says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. If you ask him, he will help you with this. And Lord knows we need help sometimes when it comes to being obedient and staying clear of things that are sinful. But all he asks of us is just to ask him and he'll give you what you need, including living a principled life. The A in passion represents the abundant life. Amen? The abundant life. The ultimate goal of every person whether you're a believer or not, is to live an abundant life. Everybody wants an abundant life. Everybody wants what they think is best for them. 
But there's a difference between what the world views as an abundant life and how we as believers view an abundant life. Amen? There's a difference. We might call it the same thing, but there's different values behind it. A life of abundance, first of all, has nothing to do with money. Amen? Amen? Say it louder. Amen? An abundant life has nothing to do with money. A lot of folks think it does. But just like they used to say in, back in the day, more money, more problems. Amen? Y'all had to be so disagreeable about that. It's true. More money, more problems. The more money you have, the more problems you're going to have. And if you can handle the problems, very good. But if you can't, that's a problem. But a life of abundance for the believer has nothing to do with money or stature or position. It has everything to do with living in Christ's power and energy as you serve him each and every day. And the joy that you experience knowing that you're living life to the fullest for him. That's the abundant life for a believer. Turn to John chapter 10. We'll look at verse 10. The pursuit of the abundant life is what Jesus Christ wants for us. The alternative is not very good. Amen? The alternative is not very good because you have to understand that because you are on the place where Jesus Christ is your Savior, that means you've chosen a side. And the other side is the enemy. And the enemy is Satan. And the enemy is not playing around with you. The enemy doesn't intend anything good for you. So you should be pursuing this abundant life in Christ. Because what does it say in John chapter 10, verse 10? I'm going to read the English Standard Version. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, being Jesus Christ, came that ye, they may have life and have it abundantly. In Christ, we can live the abundant life. The challenge we have is not letting Satan take things away from us where we feel like we're not really living the way we should. Keeping in mind that he just wants to weaken you and destroy you. The worst thing that can happen is for a person who is following Christ to slip and fall and no longer be an effective testimony for Christ. That's what Satan wants. So this thing about abundant life is something that you should be striving for and continuing to focus on those things because Satan does not want you to experience an abundant life in Christ. Satan would rather you have you take those shortcuts that he has before you to live in an ungodly way to live in abundance. So what is this abundant life? It depends on how you look at it. The non-believer or even some believers may associate abundance with wealth or riches. That is not God's definition of abundance. He wants you to live a life that overflows, note the word overflows, with God's presence in every aspect of your existence. Every part of your very existence, he wants you to experience him. That's experiencing him in abundance. He wants you to experience the completeness of life according to his will and purpose for you. The effect of an abundant life will be the blessings of life that God will show you because of your faithfulness to him. He'll affirm your obedience with blessings. He'll show you that what you're doing is right. That what you're doing is good. That what you're doing is necessary. 
When you get right down to it, the only thing that keeps us from living the abundant life is our lack of faith and trusting too much in the power of what the enemy can do to us. That's what keeps us from living this abundant life. Too much Satan, not enough Christ. Amen? Too much Satan, not enough Christ. Satan can be overcome with God's power and ability. He can overcome anything Satan can do. The key to living the abundant life is to resist Satan and seek and remain in fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. I can say it's as simple as that, but we know better, don't we? But it's going to require your effort and your focus to do that very thing. Turn to James 4.7. A very short verse, a very good verse, that all you need to do is submit yourself to God. Submit yourself means simply to humble yourself before him. Humbling yourself covers a very wide variety of things, including repentance, including forgiving others, including giving everything you have to the Lord. It says in James 4, 7 of the NIV, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Satan knows he can't whoop God. And you need to know that too. Amen. Satan can't whoop God. Why do we act like we lose when we're already winners in Jesus Christ? You're already a winner. I think I said this yesterday. I don't get tired of winning. I love being on the winning side. Knowing that Jesus Christ is in the midst of it, you're on the winning side. You've already overcome Satan. Satan can't whoop you if you're in Christ. Will you have some body shots every now and then? Absolutely. Will you be in a fight? Absolutely. Fight back with Jesus Christ. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. You already have the victory. Live like you do. Amen? Live like you do. That's the abundant life. You're worth so much more in your relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants more for you. He wants you to understand the words in the scripture that say, you have the victory. Satan must flee. The first S in passion represents spirit-filled. Spirit-filled. The true abundant life can only be achieved by the believer in Jesus Christ. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the catalyst that enables you to achieve this abundance and live a passion-filled existence. The Holy Spirit. You're spirit-filled. You can't do anything without the Holy Spirit when it comes to serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Your flesh is not capable. Your flesh wants to serve who? The flesh. Ephesians 5.18. This is a verse that uh, Pastor Travis has been exposed to, I've been exposed to, it's one of the things that the CMA talks about, but it's a very, very important verse. Ephesians 5.18. And it's interesting how the verse starts out. Because one of the things we have to look at when it comes to this abundant life, it means an abundant life that covers all aspects of your life and not just living in public but also in private. And living for the Lord when other people aren't looking at you. Amen? Amen. 
So the first thing I think about when I look at this verse, Ephesians 5.18, it says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Because there ain't nothing that can prevent anybody from this, in this place from going home, getting a bottle of wine, and getting tore up in private if you wanted to. But you have to decide that's not what you're about. Because just like anything else, it's debauchery. And just like anything else, what sins are hidden sometimes come out in public. And that's not spirit-filled living. Those sins will spill over. So there's no such thing as this public-private thing. This is a complete process of being spirit-filled when you live. Be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is instantaneous when you accept Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, but the Spirit does not turn the believer into a mind-numbed robot. Rather, it allows you to do the things you need to do, but you're relying upon the Spirit to be in control in order to offset what? Your own fleshly nature. You need the Spirit to offset your own fleshly nature. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, none of you would be here today. You'd be out somewhere on Sunday morning. But the Spirit has given you the mindset and desire to be here. To do what? Praise the Lord. Amen? It starts with you. It starts with you. And let's talk about these works of the flesh. Let's go to Galatians 5. 19. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. We were just at Ephesians 5, 18, but now we're going to Galatians 5, 19. I think when Scripture was written, and of course Scripture is all God-breathed, it's all God that's speaking through people, I think he sometimes has to do these things to list out these different sins in our lives. Because we like to play games in the flesh. Amen? If, if there's a loophole in the Bible, we'll try to find it. Amen? Amen? If there's a loophole in there, we'll try to figure out what it is because of our fleshly nature. But now we've got this checklist starting in verse 19 of Galatians 5. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That's a long list. And it covers just about everything. In fact, it does cover everything. If you want to encapsulate it in one word, it's sin. Amen? I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, being spirit-filled means successful living in reverence and service for Jesus Christ. So drop down to verse 22. The attributes that you should have, because you're spirit-filled, are in verses 22 and 23. English Standard Version. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's spirit-filled living in Jesus Christ. And there's a big difference from what we read before and what we're looking at right now. Spirit-filled living starts with, notice how it starts with the word love. Love is basically the grand piece here. Everything else that follows is a subset of love. The Holy Spirit has to teach us. The Holy Spirit teaches believers how to live a Christ-like existence. And the lessons that we learn are invaluable as he sanctifies us with his presence. We learn lessons from this. 
we see the blessings in our being spirit-filled, allowing the spirit to work in our lives. Being spirit-filled gives you the ability to live a life of passion in Jesus Christ. A passionate life. The second S in passion stands for sanctified. Amen. Thank the Lord for his sanctifying presence. It's a word that we should use more and more. I really only heard it being used with the CMA. But he truly does sanctify us. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us the more and more we trust in him. The Holy Spirit's presence in the believer is a sanctifying presence. Sanctification is the combination of the believer's growth in the likeness of Christ and the accumulation and application of God's wisdom and knowledge from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who proclaimed that the Holy Spirit would be the one to teach and remind believers of his words. Go really quick to John chapter 14. The Holy Spirit is very, very important in the existence of a believer. Ha! That's the truism. Amen? Of course he is. He's necessary for us to be able to do what we do. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Not only is he a teacher, he's a reminder. He teaches you and he reminds you of the words of Jesus Christ. How is it do you think that you can memorize verses? Guess who's doing that? The Holy Spirit's doing that. Remember, in the flesh, you're not going to memorize Bible verses. He teaches you and gives you remembrance of his word. The Holy Spirit works within you from the moment of your conversion. But understand that sanctification is best described as an ongoing cleansing process as you put off the old and grow in your new life in Jesus Christ. Sanctification is what God desires for your life. That's what he wants. He doesn't want believers stuck in the mud or hit with all these stop signs that keep them from focusing on him. He wants to sanctify you. He wants you to become more Christ-like every day. If you're always stuck in the mud, you always got issues. You've always got problems. You're stuck. And understand something. If you're stuck, it's because everything is happening to you. And what that means is there's not enough focus on Jesus Christ. It can't be all about you. You can't let Satan destroy you and undermine you by allowing these stop signs, getting stuck in the mud. Christ wants to sanctify you. That's what he wants for your life. You can't live a life of passion in Christ without sanctification because it is the essence of an obedient lifestyle. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. There's a, some verses there that you should see because it's important for you to understand that it is God's will for you to be sanctified. That's what he wants. And those are the very first words in 1 Thessalonians 4. It's his will for you to be sanctified. That's why we need to talk about it. That's why we need to talk about this ongoing development in Jesus Christ. And not getting stuck in the mud. Not allowing yourself to get stuck. You know, sometimes you can get stuck in the mud on your own. 
When you're driving a car, you drive off the road, driving mud, guess who got stuck in the mud by themselves? You did. We do that to ourselves in life. Verse 3 in 1 Thessalonians 4, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate, just like the pagans who do not know God, that, and that in this manner no one should wrong, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or a sister. This is about how you live. It's about how you're supposed to act. The world does stuff like this. Taking advantage of other folks. Mistreating people. Acting a fool out in public. That's not you, amen? Amen? That's not you. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. In other words, don't reject God and the Holy Spirit by going out and acting a fool in public. Amen? Or even acting a fool indoors. That's a great summarization, isn't it? But that's what this verse is saying. Allow the Spirit to sanctify you and help you to get better and better in this whole process. Sanctification does not mean a life of perfection, but it does mean that you desire to be holy as the Lord is holy. He says, be holy as I am holy. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 is where you can find that. It means that the believer desires a greater faith walk and a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. And both of these require, if the Spirit is sanctifying you, it requires a humble, teachable role within the presence of the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to teach you. You don't know everything. And don't pretend to. You don't know everything. You got a lot to learn. I got a lot to learn. I ain't nobody special. I ain't. I ain't nobody special. Amen? I got a lot to learn in Christ. Anybody in leadership, if they're being honest, they'd say the same thing. We're all learning. The I in passion represents being an influencer. Sharing your faith in the leading of the Holy Spirit is influential. You have influence. The Holy Spirit gives you the ability to have influence before others. The words spoken are given with conviction and in righteousness to those who hear them. A passion-filled believer is speaking in accord with the will of God who desires for every person to enter into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You want to be this influence because you're living according to His will and His will is for you to influence people with the gospel. He wants people to get saved. You are the one who helps with that. You provide influence by the way you live, by the way you act, by what you do. 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4 says, This is good and it pleases our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what he wants. If you're living in a Christ-like manner, that's what you want. You want to see the same thing. Matthew chapter 5, turn to that real quick. Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. Now, influence is not coercion. There's a difference. Influence means you're proclaiming the truth. But it's up to the individual to accept it or not. Coercion is making someone do something they don't want to do. That's not what you do. Amen? That's not what you do. If you're speaking truth, the truth stands on its own. You don't need to back it up. God doesn't need your back for that. He just needs you to stand in truth yourself and let him take care of the rest. 
but you're still an influencer. And you're an influencer because of what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. It says you are the salt of the earth. Amen? Amen? Everybody awake? Everybody listen? Please say amen. amen. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. Amen? Amen? You are the light of the world. Now look. This is who you are. This is your mission, Mr. Phelps, should you choose to accept it. Amen? You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. This is who you're supposed to be as believers in Jesus Christ. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. An influencer provides words of wisdom and knowledge, and not just about the gospel, but everything that is beneficial. One of the things that we talked about this morning in Sunday school, too, is that when you're developing relationships with people, it's not necessarily the first words that come out of your mouth about Jesus Christ. It's about things that you have in common with somebody else. It's developing relationships with people that you have a commonality with. It may be somebody who has your first name. Same name as you. You don't know what it is. But the Spirit puts people in your path for the very purpose of you speaking to them about Jesus Christ or reflecting the brightness of Christ in your life. And being ready to speak and provide wisdom. If you're trained in a specific area and you have knowledge, you should share it. It's good. Proverbs 9, 9 says, Give instruction to a wise man, he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man, he will increase in learning. It applies all across the board. O, the O in passion, represents being obedient to God and his word. Amen. A big deal. You've got to be obedient to his word if you live a life of passion in Christ. You certainly cannot do that if you're disobedient. Amen? I can leave it there, really. I mean, it really comes right down to that. Being obedient to God's word is everything in this. It means loving him with all your heart, soul, and mind. Amen? And it includes an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. If you love me, being him, you're going to keep his commandments. And keeping them doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Because you're not perfect. But keeping them means that you hold them dear in your heart. That goes back to being principled. You have principles. His word is your principle for living. Loving God and obedience to him are synonymous. You can't do one without the other. Amen? can't do one without the other. Passion-filled believers strive to live in faithfulness and trust in the word each day. And finally, the end in passion represents being a new creation in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for being a new creation in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Because I know he needs to make me new. I was old and raggedy. Amen. All of us were old and raggedy folks before we became believers. Amen. Amen? We were old and raggedy. It's one thing to be old, but be old and raggedy is another thing. Jesus Christ's sanctifying power through the Holy Spirit transforms you as a new creation each and every day. Your actions of reading, reading the Bible, studying the Bible, meditating on its word, Prayer and living out a faithful life in Christ is a constant 
life transition that will also show the growth and development of a new creation. You're a new person in Jesus Christ. And once again, I'll say it. Praise the Lord. We are new people in Christ. That's what allows us to live a passion-filled existence for Him. Go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to look at uh, verses 16 and 17. One of the things I emphasized during our seminar, you know, our seminar, we, we have great seminars that we put forth to help you with this relationship thing and building with Jesus Christ. But this verse stuck out with me, especially even yesterday. Because the first words of the verse are very interesting. It tells you about how today is the first day of the rest of your life. No going backwards, but you're moving forward. So the verse says, from now on, from now on, you're starting your life anew. Knowing what you know, and knowing you have the power of the Spirit working within you, Today you can move forward and it says from now on. Then we do not know anyone in a purely human way. We're going beyond that because Christ is in our lives and the Spirit empowers us. Even if we have known Christ in a purely human way, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. From now on, you know what it takes to live a passion-filled life for Jesus Christ. You know what you've got to do. You know what you can do. You know the Spirit will enable you to do whatever it needs to be done to live that way. You don't have any excuses now. From now on, you know what to do. And you know how to do it. And if you don't know, just ask Him. He'll give it to you. You know what to do. So from now on, you don't know Christ as a non-believer. You know Christ as a believer. You know Christ who's given you eternal life. You know Christ because of how he's enabled you to do everything you've done. From now on, this is where you go. This is what you do. This ongoing newness in Jesus Christ continues. It's an ongoing development. It doesn't stop here. It continues. It's going to keep happening in your life. The only time it doesn't matter anymore is when you close your eyes for the last time. Amen? It's ongoing. Our challenge is to remain close to him. And in our closeness, our obedience, in our service in him and to him, he will continue to renew us as we strive for holiness. He continues to provide us with the ability to resist sin. Praise the Lord. We can resist sin because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It can be done. You have to believe that. You've got to trust in that. You can resist sin. Because those things block our ongoing transformation. We are being made new every day in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. New every day. You've got to believe it. You've got to accept it. You've got to allow it. That's what you have to do. A passion-filled believer puts nothing above the importance of fellowship with Jesus Christ. Satan has to flee. Has to flee. 
and he will flee. Principled, abundant life, spirit-filled, sanctified, influencer, obedient to God and his word, new creation. Each of these requisites will lead to a believer truly living a passion-filled, abundant life in service for Jesus Christ. If you're ready to take your relationship with Jesus Christ to the next level, you just pretty much said, from now on, amen? He only wants you to take steps of faith towards him. Just have faith. Have faith. And let the enabling power of the Spirit continue to work in you and sanctify you in your efforts to serve Him. Now, He's going to affirm you. He's going to affirm you with blessings and enable you to endure any opposition. Anything Satan puts up in front of you, you're going to whoop it. Amen? You've got to whoop Satan. If you don't whoop Satan, what's going to happen? He's going to whoop you. So therefore, you have to whoop Satan. But the Holy Spirit gives you the power to do that. You can do it. You're going to be a positive influence before others as a light in a dark world. The world's dark. And an encourager to those who need it most. You are an encouragement for others waiting to happen waiting to happen just show up somewhere and you can encourage people with your presence because they see Jesus Christ coming out of your pores that's what they need to see that's an encouragement to a lot of people as the Holy Spirit fills and sanctifies you, it is only a matter of time before you can live a passion-filled life in Jesus Christ. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us to be affirmed by your very presence.